I'd like to thank uh, Matthew for the reading and Lauren for leading that song. You know, whenever you think about Jesus on the cross, he didn't have a friend there. They were all making fun of him for some reason or another. They were all mocking him for who he said he was and how who he said he was. If he was really who he said he was, he could have saved himself. You know, in my opinion, that's the ultimate of be careful what you ask for. Because as Brother Sean talked to us last week at the table, he could have called enough angels to destroy the world ten times over. Just to prove who he said he was. But what we're going to look at is the prophecy in Psalms that this particular scripture fulfilled. And we're going to look at some things that we can learn from this. And we're going to talk about save yourself and come down off the cross. That was the main gist of all the mocking that he went through in that reading. Really, who you say you are, come down off the cross and save yourself. One of the criminals even took it farther and said, save me too if you're really who you say you are. Save yourself and me too. In Psalms 22, 7 and 8, all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head. He trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. And then we read, uh, Matthew read in Luke where that, uh, all you got to do is unblanket Mike, it's already on. Uh, where that was fulfilled. But there's another, uh, in Scripture, there's another account of this in Mark 15, where I got the opening slide where it says, if you come down off the cross and save yourself. And in Mark 15, starting in verse 29, and those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads, they're shaking their heads, just like Psalm said. They're shaking their heads as they're walking by him and saying, ah, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. You're like, You're, you said you could destroy a temple and build it back in three days, but you can't even come off the cross? Number one, they were using something that they totally didn't understand to uh, mock him with, what he meant when he said he would destroy the temple in three, and build it back in three days. They didn't really understand what he meant at that point. But save yourself and come down off the cross. You know what? It would have been tempting for somebody like me if I would have been going through that to say, okay, I'll just go ahead and do that right now, and we'll see if you really want what you're asking for. And then he goes, likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribe said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. He's going, he saved others. He said he, said he saved others, but he can't even save himself. Let him come down off the cross, that way we can see it and believe it. You think the scribes and the, scribes and the chief priests would have believed it even if we would have done that? I don't think they would have. They had seen, they had heard about all the miracles he had performed. They had seen them. The Pharisees had tested him many times. Some of the Pharisees, it says, even believed, but they were so afraid to profess it because they thought they would get kicked out of the synagogues. They were just trying to make fun of him. They really wouldn't have believed him, even if he would have. Even those that were, who were crucified with him reviled him. He didn't have a single friend. Even the guys that were dying with him. We're making fun of him. 
The only friend he had was one of them that said, hey, he's done nothing wrong and we, we're getting our just reward here. And that wasn't the only mocking he suffered, though. If we look in Luke 22 and start in verse 64, we see another illustration of how he was mocked. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who struck you? If you're really able to tell us everything, you're blindfolded and we're hitting you. Which one, which one of us hit you? You know, I wouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> Jesus could have done that, though, if he wanted to. If he would have wanted it, he could have told them exactly who hit him, even though he was blindfolded. But what did he do? Let's look at that. In Isaiah 53 and 7, another prophecy about Jesus. It says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before it shears is silent, so opened not his mouth. He didn't do anything to, to prove who he was. He didn't do any of the things that they asked for him to do. As a lamb that is dumb before his ears, so opened he not his mouth. You know, I actually looked that up, and they say like 90% of, 95% of sheep, when they're being sheared, don't, don't make a noise at all. Now, I don't know what percentages they base that off of. I got it off of an agricultural website. But he, did, he was so committed to his cause, he didn't open his mouth. So how did he react? How did Jesus react to this? How are we going to react when people mock us for our beliefs? He didn't. He didn't react at all. He took it. You know what the problem with humans are? Is we're very reactionary. As humans, we're very reactionary. And usually, whenever we react, it's not in a way we need to be reacting. You know, whenever I was a senior in high school, we had a freshman that thought he was the best football player that ever came along. And he was mouthing all of his seniors. And I was just waiting for this one play to be called because I knew I was going to be the one that was going to get to block him on that play. And I kept waiting all throughout practice. Finally, the last play of practice, the coach called the play. And let's just say I wasn't very nice to him. I hit him dirty. It wasn't, it wasn't clean. I got the forearm under the chin, knocked the helmet off, everything. Is that the way we react? I was supposed to react? I didn't handle that right. It felt good. It made me feel better for a minute, and then seeing the kid laying there, I'm like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Especially when I was running laps after practice for it, but, you know. That's what happens. You know, in sports, we teach people, this is how you react when this happens. Matt coached basketball. Whenever this happens, this is what you do. Whenever this happens, this is how you handle that. So we're taught that we react to what others do or how others treat us. It's human nature to react. But the problem with reacting, the way Jesus taught us about not reacting, he showed us how to fulfill one of the hardest commandments there is to fulfill. If you look in Romans chapter 12, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That's hard to do. Repay no one evil for evil. You know, the problem is when somebody's doing the evil to us, 
Our first reaction is to do evil back. Whenever we react, that's our first reaction. It's just human nature. Whenever somebody does something evil to me, I'm going to go, I'm going to show them. You know, there used to be a trash bag commercial whenever I was younger from Glad Trash Bags. And it would show all these trash bags that were ripping and falling apart, being overstuffed. And then it would say, don't get mad, get glad. Well, the problem is, there was a shirt that came out. I don't know when it came out. I just remember noticing it about the same time. That says, you don't get mad, you get even. Well, what, what did God tell us here? Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's not our place to take vengeance. God says, I'll take the vengeance. That's my place to do that. That's not your place. So this whole don't get mad, get even philosophy is not what God wants us to do. But the, I believe the hardest part of the scripture is right in the middle. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know what? I can't control what you do. I can't control how you think of me. I can act in certain ways where hopefully you can think good of me. Hopefully you can think I do things well. But at the end of the day, I really can't control what you do and how you treat me. But I can control how I react to it. Am I going to go out of my way to try to live peaceably or am I going to go out of my way to try to get even? You know, the problem is too many times a day we go out of our way to try to get even with somebody. We go out of our way to try to make them feel as bad as we feel when they're mocking or making fun of us. And that's not what God said. God said, as much as it depends on you, you live peaceably with all men. That's hard to do. It's easy to say, but it can be hard to do. Especially whenever you don't feel like living peaceably with that person at the time. Whenever they're not living peaceably with you. But as much depends on you, you need to live peaceably with all men. Continuing in verse 20, 20 he says, therefore. So what therefore means is because of everything I just said, this is what, what we're going to do. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will leap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Therefore, because of everything I just said, that you need to live peaceably with all men as much as you can, because we're not going to repay evil for evil, and because vengeance is God's, we're going to give our, if our enemies hungry, we're going to give them food. If he's thirsty, we're going to give him something to drink. And we're going to overcome evil with good. Now somebody, I believe in one of the further lessons we're going to talk about, loving our enemies. So I'm not going to get too, too much into that. But what I want to talk about a lot is overcoming evil with good. You know, have you ever known somebody that you just thought there was no hope for? <laughs> that that's just an evil person? But then they get somebody in their life that shows them good, that shows them how to be good. And all of a sudden, it starts changing them. Well, how do we do that? We do it from right here. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And eventually, your will may break him down. And you can overcome evil with good that way. Now we're going to compare the two situations Jesus was in in just a couple of chapters in the book of Luke. From Luke 19, 37 to 40, and then we're going to go back to Luke 23 and talk about that for just a minute here. 
Because it's very different reactions Jesus both of these chapters. From probably what was the, probably the same people, really. I can't prove that, but some of the same people were probably there. In Luke 19:37, then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, saying, all, for all the mighty works they had seen. Now here he's coming down, and they're praising for all the mighty works they had seen. Remember when we talked about the chief priests and the scribes saying if they would have seen him come down from the cross, they would have believed? People had heard about the mighty works Jesus had done. One more wasn't going to convince anybody. And they were praising him for it. They were praising him as he was coming down the hill. And they were saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's a pretty friendly conversation right there. They're showing love to Jesus. They're showing how much they appreciate. Why did they even call him the king? And some of the Pharisees called him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're like, hey, rebuke them. They're not, they shouldn't be praising you like this. Tell them to stop. What did Jesus say? But he answered and said to them, I tell you that these should keep silent. The stones would immediately cry out. Jesus said, even if they're not going to proclaim who I am, if they decide to fall silent, the stones are going to cry out praising me. You know, during the singing school, we have the crying rock. And if you're not singing, you get a hold of the crying rock so the crying rock can sing for you. And that's kind of a fun little thing, but, the, but Jesus was being serious here. If, if they weren't praising me, the stones would do it. This was a pretty, pretty good time for Jesus. He, was, he probably enjoyed some of this. Now, just a few chapters over, Luke 23, starting in 35. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. That's a different tone, isn't it? That's a totally different reaction. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Totally different reaction. You know, we've been focusing on mainly what the, Jew, the Jews that were mocking him, but the soldiers mocked him too. They put a scarlet robe on him, put a crown of thorns on his head, bowed the knee. He got mocked from all sides here. This is a totally, totally different picture from what, from what happened in Luke 19. And in verse 38, an inscription was also written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin. This is the king of the Jews. That's just another little stab at the Roman Empire telling the Jews, from the Roman Empire telling the Jews, hey, we're killing your king here. <laughs> then one of the criminals who hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. You know what's amazing to me about comparing these two passages? Jesus was exactly the same in both of them. He showed love to the ones that were praising him in Luke 19. And he showed love to those mocking him in Luke 23 whenever he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was the same person throughout. See, I can't say I'm the same person whenever things are going good and whenever things are going bad all the time. It's really easy 
to be a good person when everything's going good. It's really easy to be a good Christian when everything's going great, when everybody's loving you, nobody's hurting you. But it's really hard when you're on the flip side of this, like what Jesus was in Luke 23. It's really hard to stay that same loving person. It's really hard to stay that same good person. But, that, but Jesus gave us an example of that, and that's what we should strive to do. Be the same person in good times and in bad. You know, we've all had bad times. We've all had times where things weren't going our way. Maybe we were looking at it and I go, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how we're going to take care of this car that broke down. Whatever it is, we've all had those times where it's bad. Are we the same person in those times as when everything's going right for us? I'm sad to say I'm not always. You can ask Amber, sometimes when things aren't going good, I'm a little bit more testy, a little bit more angry. I don't treat everybody the way I should. But that's not how we should be. But how do we get to the point where we can be the same person when things are going good and when things are going bad? I believe Paul gives us the answer. If you look in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, strengthens me. The key I want to look at here, whatever state I am, to be content. If I'm in a good way, I'm content. And if I'm in a bad way, I'm content. If everything's going great, hey, that's great. And if everything's going bad, hey, I'm still, in, I'm still in a good place. The problem is, the next part, we'd rather be, uh, we'd rather abound than be abased. Humans would rather be abounded than have to be abased. You know, we all want the good things. We don't want to have to deal with being abased. Nobody wants to deal with that. That's something we really don't want to have to deal with. And when that happens, it, 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 it makes us mad, makes us testy. But Paul here says, even if you're based, be content with that. Everywhere in all things I have learned to both be full and to be hungry. Everybody likes to be full. Nobody likes to be hungry. You know, we have different organizations that help feed the world, that ask for donations so we can help make sure everybody has something to eat. We all want to be full. Nobody wants to be hungry. But Paul here says, either way, I'm going to be okay. And the last one is, I both to abound and to suffer need. Nobody wants to be in need. Nobody wants to, doesn't, wants to have to think about how they're going to pay that next bill or fix the car. Or, and, you know, all these things I'm mentioning, they're really first world problems, people. You have a house to live in that you have to pay a bill for, you're lucky. You have a car that broke down and you have to worry about getting it fixed, you're lucky. 95% of the world would like to be in your shoes in those situations. And the last part, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You don't have to go through it alone. Christ is there and he's willing to help. And he'll strengthen you to get through those good, bad times. To help you stay that same person that you would like to be. Now again, this is something that's really easy to say, but something that's really hard to put into practice. 
the same person in good times and in bad times. That's what it comes down to. You know, Jesus was. Whenever it was good and people were praising him, he was the same loving Savior. Whenever they were mocking and despising him, he was the same loving Savior. He didn't change. But sometimes we do. We make mistakes. We do things we shouldn't do. We react in ways we shouldn't react. We get our feelings hurt. It hurts our pride. And we react in ways we shouldn't react. We snap at people. If somebody treats us evil the way it is in this world, hey, treat them evil back. Get, they get what they deserve. That's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches you treat them with respect. If they're hungry, you feed them. If they're thirsty, you give them a drink, and you overcome the evil with good. And that's really easy for me to get up here and say, but sometimes it's hard for me to do. Just going to be honest with you, sometimes that's hard for me to do. Sometimes we might take joy in somebody's failures and falls because of the way they treat us. Is that the way we need to be? I've taken joy sometimes when people have fallen and failed, and it's not right. It makes me feel good for about that long. Then I come back, and I have the same problems that I had whenever I started. You need to be the same in good and bad. When people are mocking you and making fun of you, remember, they did it to Jesus first, and he withstood it. And with the strength that he supplies, you can withstand it too. It's just we got to be willing to get out of our own way and let Jesus take over. You know, Jesus didn't have a friend there, as we sang in that song. They were all turned against him. If everybody turns against you, are you still going to be the same person? His rock denied him three times that he did not know him. The one he said, I'm going to build the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The same man who said that you were Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whenever he was put to the test, said, I don't know the man. If everybody turns on you, if everybody speaks evil against you, if everybody wants to wipe out Christianity, are you going to be the same person you are now, or are you going to be somebody different? Are you going to be the one that changes or are you going to try to change the world around you? If you're not the same person in good times and in bad, you may need some help doing that because that's what Jesus wants us to do. If you're not that same person and you would like to be and we can help you, won't you come as we stand and sing?